This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Good morning, good morning. Uh, it's great to be back after uh, a day off. Most of you, of course, I'm sure had the day off yesterday, maybe even Monday, enjoying Fat Tuesday. Mardi Gras over with. So we're back in the studio. I am Lee Shervanian. Nick's behind the glass. And Dan Jennings of the Washington Nationals joining me. Uh, Mark is going to be attending the McGill Tool and Blunt game in uh, Montgomery today as the uh, high school basketball uh, continues. Right now it's about 65 degrees out, humidity about 100%, winds are 10 miles, and we'll have a weather report coming up in about 15 minutes. On today's show, we're going to talk to Drew DeArmond. We talked to him about SEC basketball, but more specifically today about Alabama and Brandon Miller's involvement in the shooting recently in Tuscaloosa. We'll get to that because that's our lead story. Darnell Archie uh, will be with us in this hour also to talk about Mobile basketball. They'll be in the tournament, the SSAC, tomorrow. Trent Thomas, the head coach of Cottage Hill, they lost a one-point game yesterday. Cottage Hill and Baker boys eliminated. St. Luke's boys continue on to the Final Four. And we got a bunch of games coming up today in Montgomery. At 7.30, Barrett Trotter, the new coach at Bayside, the former Auburn quarterback who once backed up Cam Newton. And recently at Briarwood Christian, he takes over as the head coach. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Tide. Those are some of our guests scheduled today. Danny, good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Wonderful. Well, I'm glad uh, I still have you because I know baseball has already begun, but uh, you don't report for a few more days? A few more days. End of this week, and then it's uh, it's go time. So once the games get started, it's uh, it's time for baseball to begin. All right, let's get to the number one story, and that comes from Tuscaloosa. Yesterday at the preliminary hearing into the shooting death of Jemiah Harris, it was revealed by a detective uh, his last name was Culpepper, and he said he testified that it was the Alabama freshman star, Brandon Miller, who delivered the gun that was used in the shooting death of uh, Miss Harris to Darius Miles, his former teammate. And Miles, or the detective, has uh, contended during um, his investigation that it was the other suspect, uh, Davis who uh, fired the the fatal shots. Now, yesterday's hearing was deter- was held to determine if bond should be set and and moving forward and it was denied. By the two uh, Miles and Davis are still incarcerated. Uh it will be turned over to a grand jury. But yesterday Danny the the, the issue became Brandon Miller's involvement. And one of the uh, so-called deputy attorneys said that there no charges can be filed in this case. Nate Oates had a rough day yesterday. You know, everything's been kind of neat. Alabama, number one in the NCAA Selection Committee's preliminary uh, seedings, uh, number two in the nation right now, and they do play tonight at South Carolina. But Oates made comments during the day that they knew all about this, and he went on to say that, you know, wrong place, wrong time. I can't be with these guys every minute. 
after some of the statements were made at the at the hearing, he retracted some of his comments and said they were in, in poor taste. But I guess the the issue that's being raised, and, and there's been a lot of social media backlash on this, Dan, as you can well imagine. Uh, Brandon Miller, the star of the team, uh, delivers is asked by Miles, according to testimony, to deliver the handgun to Miles, who and then I guess somehow got it in the hands of Davis. And the question being raised is why has Alabama not taken any action against Miller or should they? So the way I read this, and number one, I think it's it's very unfortunate that on any college campus you got college kids with guns in the car and things of this nature. You go to college for the college experience, to play ball, the whole thing. And the way I read it was that um, I guess Miles – one of them had left the gun inside of Miller's car and asked him, hey, I left this in there. Can you bring it to me? He did that. Certainly there's no way that he knows the intent or what's going to transpire later that evening. He returned someone's property to them. And on the stuff that I've read, that's the way that it appears. And truly the only involvement that he had was returning someone's property to them as they ask or requested. So um, certainly bad choices by all the people involved. I read where the, uh, the mothers went in to try to, you know, help with the bond and uh, the judge denied it. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a tragic situation. There's a young lady who's lost her life in all this. And uh, it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, that this occurs on any college campus. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, that they can get to the bottom of it and, and justice certainly will prevail. It's just, you know, you if you try to live in the universe of Twitter and social media, then you're never going to, you know, there's always going to be someone out there uh, vindictive trying to create uh, turmoil. So you just hope that they keep it out of the social media rank as much as they can and and arrive at the appropriate decision. To go further on this, and again, I'm only going on reports like you did, that, as you mentioned, social media questioning, why in the middle of the night would Miller deliver a gun to, and, and again, this was one report, to Miles, who had been drinking and so forth, and apparently it was through a text, you know, get me the weapon. So, you know, I, I the conspiracy theory here is if Miller's not a star on the team, let's say he's 10th, 11th guy, would he even still be on the team? I mean, I'm not here to tell you yes or no. My, my gut feeling is he something would have been done. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. Again, not knowing all the details that are going on during this uh, during this case. The two suspects are not being granted bond, but I think questions are legitimate, though. That and there was another Alabama player who was a witness, Jaden Bradley, a freshman point guard. And as far as Nate Oates is concerned, you know, no action against either. And like I said, and Danny, you brought this up. This, this issue is becoming more prevalent. Last night, Michigan State returns to its home court for a win just a week after the shooting death of three students on campus. And then I'll even go further. 
the leading receiver on the LSU football team, was arrested on Bourbon Street carrying a weapon yesterday. I think I, I've tried to analyze this from both ways. And Nate Oates said, we were aware of this right from the get-go. Now, you, you, you look at the overall picture, where Alabama's headed basketball-wise. And I guess from his perspective, and again, with no charges being filed, and I think that's raised an issue also, but I don't know the details on this, that the uh, deputy prosecutor said, we can't charge Miller with anything. You can't charge him with accessory to a crime or, or things that I see on TV with law and order. So from his standpoint, since no charges are filed, number one, why should I take any action against Miller and or Bradley for just being there? But on the other hand, you could say you look at it from a different perspective, that they were basically involved in the case, and maybe I, maybe there should have been a suspension of sorts until this case reaches its fruition. But by then, of course, Miller's going to be gone anyway into the NBA lottery. So I know there's a lot of ways to look at it. If you're not an Alabama fan, you're probably saying something should have been done. And on other campuses where guns have been involved and shootings have occurred, it's usually cost the coach a job down the, you know, down the road. And this, this has happened at Baylor and I think recently at New Mexico State. It's uh, again, I do agree with you. It's it's certainly becoming more and more prevalent. Um, you know, some some athletes grow up in environments where uh, the gun is is their security. They see it. They see it on the streets. They see it in neighborhoods. And it's unfortunate that it's that way. Um, they feel the need, whether it's a power play, whether it's a tough guy play, whatever it is. Uh, it's certainly out there. Um, it's it's in it's in a lot of the uh, professional sports as well. And um, you mix that with alcohol, you're asking for issues. And you know, I I, I think in this case, it, it's truly you have to let the judicial process play out. And if if anyone associated with the basketball team is cleared then i you know why why would there be punishment you return someone's property that person made a horrible decision to use that and it cost someone their life and that is uh again that goes back to the most unfortunate part you got a kid at school who's now dead and um was involved in in a situation that never should have occurred Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark. Hey, Nick, good morning. Uh, you want to weigh in on the Hawks firing Nate McMillan? That's your team? That's your uh, coaching buddy? Yeah, after I uh, after I heard that news, I was surprised that there weren't Christmas gifts uh, waiting in my living room because I thought it was Christmas. That was like the best news I could have got, finally. <laughs> it, it needed to happen. Yeah, but, you know, just a couple of years ago, remember he took over like at midseason yeah. and rallied them to the postseason? Yeah, no, th things change quickly in the NBA. Um, it was great for a little while, for like four months, but I don't know. You can just tell the offense looked stale. The players looked unhappy. It had to happen. Danny, you know, we talk about changes. we got a lot of changes coming in Major League Baseball. We'll get to that during the course of the next two and a half hours. 
And now did you see where college football? I saw this. Yeah. That, again, they want to shorten. Why does everybody want to shorten the game? Mm. I mean, if if I've always felt that, you know, college games do go long. But if the game is a really good game, who cares, right? So now they want to do some clock management. And I guess the most controversial call is to keep the clock running after an incomplete pass. That's one of the four major recommendations, which could take place this coming fall. I don't know if it's going to happen, but they're saying it, it could be down the road. But they want to do things to, uh, to quicken the game because they said the games are going too long. And we see the same thing going on with Major League Baseball now. It's happening. That, that three-hour window that uh, TV buys is, is vitally important. The money is vitally important for the survival of sports. And I think truly that's, uh, that's what it's about. It's fitting everything inside of a three-hour window. And any way they can do that, whether it's to can keep the clock running, I think I saw unless it's with inside of two minutes, um, and then on first downs, I think they uh, they also keep the clock running. Um, so these are some of the proposals, and uh, I'm like you. I love to sit down, and I love college football. I love watching it. I like the way it is. I think there's some coaches and teams who are absolutely masters at the uh, at using that last two minutes and uh, and working clock management, just like uh, TCU this year with the field goal. You know, and the fact that they were able to have enough time to get their team out there to kick the game winner. So I'm sure that there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of coaches with some input on the positives of it, the negatives of it. But again, it goes back to the golden goose and they've got the gold and they're paying. So they're going to try to fit that in the window and allow more. Uh, it's like restaurants. You know what? Restaurants make money when they turn the seats over these sports uh, stations that put the games on make money as they sell more commercials and they turn the games over inside those three-hour windows. All right, we're going to take a break. We've got a uh, weather update, traffic, and scoreboard. When we come back, we're going to relive one of the greatest sporting moments in American history 50 years ago today. We'll have that for you when we come back. Dan Jennings sitting in from Mark Heim, Nick behind the glass, I'm Lee Shervanian. February 22nd, opening kickoff this Wednesday morning. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. We're listening to WNSP. Fifty years ago today, the American hockey team defeated the Soviet Union in a semifinal, four to three. Danny, I was on a road trip with the Jags. I was up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now that game was not televised live. I think they taped delayed it or something. We didn't have all the stuff that's going on now. I don't think many people even knew what happened until long after. Where were you? Do you remember your? 
Oh, I was playing at Southern Miss, and we were playing uh, Louisiana Lafayette, and there was a group of us in the hotel room watching on TV. Well, I remember it being on Why? TV. Yes. I, th I thought they said it was only on a tape delay that they, they couldn't show it live from Lake Placid. We were in the uh, we were in Lafayette and uh, we were there was probably six or seven of us and um, we were watching and that that statement do you believe in miracles and still stands uh, tall today it certainly does. So you were showing me a little picture you still have with yeah so a few years ago um, I'm with the Marlins. And uh, there's a restaurant that we love to frequent during spring training. And so I go in, and I knew the lady behind the, uh, the, behind the bar, and there was, we used to always eat there. It's really a great spot on the water called the River House. And uh, I asked her, I said, uh, Maria, who is that over there? And she said, uh, oh, that's my buddy. I want you to meet him. So she calls him over. We sit for a minute. Mike Ruzioni, the captain of the USA team. So I probably have had uh, dinner with him three or four times sitting there at the River House. Great, great not a big guy, but a great conversation. Uh, talked a lot about that team, the movie that Hubie Brooks played in. And uh, it, was, uh, it was very educational to put the puzzle together with him and his role, you know, on there because he really was the glue. And... Uh, Made it made it pretty special to have time like that with the guy who was uh, considered the captain of that club. A lot of people don't re uh, remember the, the the U.S. still had to go on and beat was it Finland or Czechoslovakia to win the gold medal. They, that was a semifinal, and prior to that, they had held what they call a preliminary exhibition game in Madison Square Garden, and the Soviet had just routed the U.S. It was something like ten to two or ten to three, something like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great time in our country for that because it kind of rallied everyone, and uh, it gave everybody something to uh, rally together, pull for. It was uh, it was a 1980 great memory. All right, uh, let me tell you: Are you close to the age of 65? No, I'm not asking you, Danny. I'm just throwing this out to the public. <laughs> yes. Are, are you on the uh, company insurance and trying to decide between your current coverage and Medicare, or maybe you want to change your Medicare coverage? Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors has been in the Medicare business for more than 12 years. An independent agent, Aiden Marks works with multiple carriers. He has helped hundreds of individuals in Mobile and Baldwin Counties. His office, located in Daphne, Highway 98, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. You can go see him, or you can set up a remote meeting, or he can come to you. There is never a fee for his services. Give him a call at 463 0031 that's 463-0031 or check out the website medicareinsuranceadvisors.com all right we're getting close to a break there was a story yesterday that caught my attention chris caswell you don't know him but he's a big college basketball fan 21 years ago he set out on a goal to go see every division one college basketball team play he completed the goal this weekend. He got to see American play Lehigh. He get he's had he's seen, he's been to every single team, and I don't know if he's been to every venue, but he has seen every single team. Dan, I know as a baseball scout, executive, GM, manager, 
Have you been to every Major League Baseball stadium? Every one. Um, I have definitely been to all of them multiple times. Some of the ones that um, have been replaced over the last few uh, years. And you know what? It's kind of a badge of honor to know you've been to all of them. You know the kind of the, the crux and the ins and outs. And there is no doubt which one for me is uh, the, the best Major League ballpark to go to, and that's Pittsburgh. Best food. Uh, best food is probably in uh, in San Francisco. How about minor league ballparks? How close are you to being to every single one? Mm, probably 80%, somewhere in there. I'm, you know what? That's the one thing, 35 years, you hit a lot of them. So probably 80%. Now, usually you get a good seat, like behind home plate or something like that because you're scouting. I can tell you as many fans that rave about Fenway Park I don't. I wouldn't put that at the top of my list as being a spectator, because I was behind that pesky pole and I couldn't see anything. Maybe some of the greatest traditions, but that ballpark hasn't been. Uh, it hasn't been renovated to fit the size of the bodies that are around in 2023. And some of the last years that I was in Fenway, the uh, we were in there advancing in 2019 when we won. Man, oh, man, you're sitting in seats that were made for people about 50 pounds smaller. And it was or, tight quarters. Or to try to see around Bruce Fremming when he was umpiring first base. Good that luck. That was my issue, right. <laughs> when we come back, Judy Arman will join us, radio talk show host in Huntsville. We talk SEC basketball. But today it's all about Alabama, Brandon Miller, and what's going on in Tuscaloosa. So stay tuned for that as the opening kickoff on Wednesday continues on WNSP and WNSP.com. Well, it's certainly a story that's making the rounds nationally, Danny. You just check the Internet services. Some of the so-called journalists, and I say so-called national journalists, are really having a field day at the expense of Alabama because of Brandon Miller being, uh, let's say, involved very indirect. Well, I say indirectly with the shooting death of Jemiah Harris, uh, a detective yesterday at the uh, preliminary hearing, which was basically held to see if bail would be set for the two chief suspects, Darius Miles and, and Davis. And by the way, bail was revoked and they'll stay incarcerated and the case will be turned over to a grand jury. And you don't know with a grand jury if Brandon Miller uh, would be involved, but prosecutor, one of the deputy attorney, prosecuting attorney said that there would be no charges filed against Miller because Miller was now targeted as the person who was texted by Davis to bring him the gun. I think it I think it said it was in Miles's car too. The gun was in Miles's car. 
if I'm correct on this and if I read it right, he delivers the gun to to Miles, and who then I guess gives it to Davis, and then the shooting occurred. So you brought up some good points. You know, if if, if let's say a vehicle was involved instead of a gun, but I think the major issue today is is guns on campus. Oh, I'm sure this is it. This is going to be scrutinized and flipped every which way. And um, you know what? I, again, there's a judicial process that will occur, and I think that's how we are as a country. You let it run its course, and then it will be uh, then it will be handled. And again, the social media part of it, you can't you can't get involved in that because there's always going to be someone that has a crazy thought. So take it a little further, Danny. Your thoughts on this. Should Alabama do anything to Miller? Uh, not until, I mean, if he's innocent, then he's innocent. If if he returns someone's property to them, then he certainly didn't know the intent of what the young man was going to do with the gun. So uh, to make the, him an accessory, I just don't understand how he can be uh, looked at that way he was he was called or text and asked to bring the gun back and he did so under that scenario i don't see how that makes him an accessory to this and also danny you wondered too and i and i raised this point if this the player involved was let's say the 10th or 11th guy on the team and, and again nate i and I like NATO, so I really do. I and mean, let's face it, he's done a great job with that program. But I wonder sometimes if a coach, for instance, like this uh, arrest in uh, LSU, Brian Kelly says, we're just looking at the facts, no statement. Might it have been better for Oates just not to say anything and just say, well, we'll let the investigation take its course. And, and rather than come out and make comments like, you know, wrong place, wrong time, um, they – and he had some other comments to make about, you know, Miller and Bradley being there, but they were just witnesses. They weren't really involved in it. Maybe just let the course, maybe the case take its course and, and not make any statements. And therefore, you don't have to retract what he had to do later yesterday. That certainly happens a lot where you see uh, coaches or people say, you know what, we will comment after the investigation has been completed. And that's an option. You know, I mean, it was an option that he had and. Uh, certainly could have done that. See, that's what I—that—that's where the, the story has taken on with with the media, because Nate Oates has had kind of a charm life this year. He's got his team up to number one last week. Now they're number two. Uh, they are the overall number one seed as of now, with the NCAA selection committee. Of course, that could change on Selection Sunday. But the fact of the matter is that he's been—he has been questioned, and I'll, I'll give him credit for this. He's not shying away from the questions. It's just that when he made his statement yesterday and then he came back and said, my comments were in poor taste. And let me say this, my prayers again go out to the, the Harris family, this 23-year-old mother who was shot to death in Tuscaloosa and, and, and left, a, I think, had like a, a young son or something like that, uh, uh, you know, left behind. So he, you know, I, I don't know if he was trying to make light of the situation in the sense that his player, uh, you know, don't go after Brandon Miller or don't go after Bradley or something like that. But uh, he did later on have another news conference to retract some of the comments he made. And, and like I say, in some cases 
where we've had incidents like this. It's turned out to be a disaster for programs. Baylor, long time ago, recently New Mexico State. And then you got a program that's right up there among the best, Danny. And you just know they're a target now for media members. There's the there's the key word. They're a target. There there are people, unfortunately, who love to see the mighty fall. If you achieve or have success, they want to find any way to knock you off that perch. And that's that's a sick society that we live in. Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate and. You know what? Let the process run its course, and I think you'll have a lot of answers uh, once that takes place. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I think the comment that got Nate Oates, I'm not going to say into hot water, maybe lukewarm, when he said, look, I can only control practice. I can't control what these kids are doing after practice. I can't be with them. And while there may be truth to that, that's the statement that I think, um, he eventually can't regretted saying, even though he's probably right. You can't be with these 14 or 15 basketball players every step of the way you hope. And you can imagine how football coaches feel with a hundred of them, but you, you can't, you know, you can't be following them around town. You can only hope that the lessons you teach during practice and in conversations have some effect. It's kind of a shame, but see the thing with Brandon Miller is, if you if you suspend him or if you discipline him, his season's almost over and his career's almost over because he's going to the NBA next year. You're not going to have him. It's not like if you if you let's say suspend him until this case is resolved, he's he's done. I think you have to justify any moves that you make um, as a coach, you know, to to your team. And again, this is bigger than than just the coach taking care of discipline a player. And if he is n not guilty of any criminal charges, not real sure where the discipline would come in. Did he perhaps exercise poor judgment? I think they all did, anybody that was involved uh, with a gun on a college campus. It wasn't his gun. He delivered something that he was texted and asked to do, and I think that a lot of this is because who he is, the name associated with the uh, just was number one team in the country, and it's gonna it's gonna be a big story. You know, Danny, you brought up a very good point. We we can't sit here and put ourselves in the mind frame of Brandon Miller during the middle of the night when I I assume they were friends. Uh, obviously, they were teammates. And he says, bring me the gun. And you, I, I doubt he's thinking, well, gosh, is this gun going to be used? What's it going to be used for, right? Um, and I, he, may, he may or may not have been out there with um, uh, Miller who's or Miles, who supposedly had had too much to drink. But let's face it, you're talking about the middle of the night and that's, things like that happen. So, and you brought up the point. Well, how would he know? How would Miles know? that this is what this gun was going to be used you mean for. Miller yeah there's 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 no way to know someone's intent you just can't you can speculate you can say a lot of things there's no way to know the intent um you receive the text hey i left this in your car bring it to me okay and that, and that's exactly what happened so the the case will it, it will go to a grand jury the two suspects 
Miles and Davis will stay incarcerated. That was the purpose yesterday of the hearing. And then it was brought out by one of the detectives about Miller delivering the gun that eventually became the weapon in this uh, capital murder. So the, the two suspects stay in jail. They're not getting bond. And now it's getting remanded to a grand jury. And I guess that'll take a while before this comes out. I don't know if, you know, if Miller or the other player that was there, and you don't hear much about Bradley being involved in this. He was just there, I guess, as a witness or just happened to be in the vicinity. But right now it does not appear at all that Alabama is going to take any action against the two freshman players. And I'm sure that they'll be in action tonight when they take on South Carolina. We'll have that broadcast coming up tonight on WNSP. And I'm sure some of these visiting arenas will have students who will try to mock the situation. You can put that in the bank. All right. Um, we're going to be, during the course of the next two and a half hours, we're going to talk to Darnell Archie, the uh, University of Mobile men's basketball coach. We've got Trent Thomas. They had a heartbreaking loss to Hillcrest yesterday, which knocked him out of the postseason. And then later on, Chris Stewart the voice of the Crimson Tide. I don't know how much information he'll be able to provide on this more so than what we're talking about because I don't think he's attending these, you know, the testimony hearings yesterday. He may want to talk about some of these rule changes that we may see in college football, though, with the clock uh, being the element. And it just seems like why sports is so concerned now about shortening games mm -hmm. and so forth. You know, going back to that, Lee, that sometimes when a situation has occurred that is going to get national media attention, which this is going to get, sometimes, as you alluded to, it's best just to say nothing because anything you say is going to be dissected, picked apart. One word in a statement is going to be, well, can you believe he said this or that or didn't say this? Just, just let it play out, and then you can issue a statement. Very true, and that's what I felt. Nate should have just said nothing, just said let's let the case play out. All right, uh, before we take a break, I want to bring in my good friend Larry Skoda from LNS Air Conditioning. Larry, welcome to the morning show. How are you today? Fine, Lee. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. Well, with the change in temperatures now from cold to hot, good time to get LNS out there to check your uh, heating and air conditioning? We're looking at a lot of heaters. We order parts for a furnace on one day, and you order parts for the air conditioning on the next day. But that's that's a good thing. It keeps us busy. Yeah, the last time we had you on, you had mentioned about how the cost may be going up a little bit. I took advantage of that, thanks to your advice. And we had a new unit put in before some of those costs went up a little bit. I thank you for that. Not a problem, Lee. Yeah, we've we've got pricing from all of our distributors, whether it's insulation, duckboard, metal, equipment, and whatever. And average job new construction right now is probably going up 20%. Average change-out system is probably going up somewhere in that 15 20% range also. So it's... Uh notice 
Dan, that I let this play out a little longer. It's my favorite theme song. I love this theme song to Hoosiers. And we have the original Hoosier on right now, uh, the all-time leading free-throw shooter in FBS, or at least was, Darnell Archie, the head coach at the University of Mobile. Darnell, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Thanks for having me on. All right. You're on with myself and uh, Dan Jennings of the Washington Nationals, who's sitting in for Mark. Give us the uh, schedule for Mobile now. You open up tomorrow in the SSAC postseason. What's going on tomorrow? Yes. So we um, we we had a couple stumbles last week. I should say maybe about two weeks ago. We still finished third place in our conference, so we got the third seed. Um, at 18 wins. Uh, so we play Thursday night, tomorrow night at 9.45 p.m. So I'm sure that's right up your alley to stay up and watch us, uh, Lee. It's almost a 10 o'clock tip time in Montgomery at the Crampton Bowl. So it's a good thing I didn't have you booked for Friday morning at 6.30, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, win or lose, I would, as you know how coaches are, we'd be up uh, no matter what uh, Friday morning. So who are you playing? Excited. Who are you playing? Uh, we, play, uh, we play Blue Mountain again for the third time. So this will be a rubber match. We won at third place, and about a week and a half ago, they came in and um, you know, kind of stole our thunder and, and beat us. So it will be, uh, it'll be a, a great test tomorrow night. Hey, Coach, talk a little bit about some of your players. I saw where uh, I think the young man's name was Frazier, Pooh Frazier maybe, who won the uh, Player of the Week, and seems yeah. like you're starting to get Pooh some Frazier. guys. Yes. Yep. He's a Mobile kid and went to Viger High School, um, went, went to Gadsden State Community College for a couple of years, and he did junior course this past week. He had 28 points and 30 points. Uh, so he averaged 29 points per game on the week and made 12 threes. Wow. Um, in both those games. So he was player of the week. Um, our, our all-conference voting is coming out um, tonight, and we'll have two guys on the first team and then one guy on the second team. Um, I'm not allowed to name who those guys are yet, but we got three guys on the all-conference team, which is uh, first in a long time. So I'm excited about our guys' achievements. Um, and individual accolades. Wow, that's great honor. And you know what? I'm sure that they're excited about the individual, but I would say you win 18 games. They have to place team first, and I'm sure they're ready to do that going into tournament time. That's exactly right, Dan. We know the ball's been moving well. Um, our defense is tightening up at times. So we're firing all cylinders. You know, we had a big win last Saturday um, for senior day. Uh, local kid, Alan Lang. We all know um, Coach Lang with the Cleveland Cavs, since it was the all-star break, he actually got to come back and walk out with Allen, and Allen played, played a great game in front of his parents, so it was it was excited to see that, and we also got the win. Outstanding. Now, how does the tournament, is it uh, single, double, how's the elimination process, and so what's your track to, to uh, victory, to, to win it? Elimination, you know, there's the opening round games are today. Teams that play seven through ten are playing today. Um, so we kind of got a buy in that sense. Um, but we win Thursday, we play Friday in the semifinals. If you play, win Friday, you're for the championship on Saturday. Um, if we can get to the championship, more than likely we'll have a automatic bid um, the way the, the conference works. Two teams get an automatic bid to the NAI National Tournament. So, in a sense, win two games and you're, and you're in. So, we're excited about that. And it's crazy how March Madness, in a sense, for us is, is here. 
And it's outstanding. How healthy? You guys good? You ready to go that way? We're healthy as we ever been. You know, we lost <laughs> the guys early in the year around Christmas time, but um, the guys that we've had the past two months. Um, right now, it's that fine line. How much do you do in practice? You know, you want to still be on, on edge and compete, but then you don't want to get somebody hurt at the same time. So we're we're, we're on that we're on that line right now. Darnell Archie, by the way, are you up for coach of the year? Um, in my own mind, I would say yes, no, but um, <laughs> I would say usually my my thing is we didn't win the uh, conference. So some people might vote for me, but um, I would say usually the conference champion would be coach of the year. Who's the favorite? Uh, Loyola out of New Orleans, uh, who we beat. They tied with Faulkner, uh, with Scott Sanderson, who coached the University of Mobile many years ago. Um, they're, they tied for the conference champion. Hey, Darnell, we wish you the best. Is your team shooting free throws any better? Depends on who's at the free throw line. But, no, my guy that uh, was shooting below probably around 52 55%, he had a game where he went 10 for 10, which was big for us. So we're, we're getting better. I really appreciate it, guys. Appreciate well, having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll be talking to you about moving on. That would be wonderful if you go to the national Absolutely. tournament. Good luck, That'd Coach. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lee. All right, Darnell Archie. Uh, Spring Hill, uh, we'll have their coach on tomorrow. They're going up to the SIAC tournament, which begins this coming Saturday after their win this past week. Uh, Dan Jennings said, when do you report? Uh, first, go March 1. I've been a grandfather this last week. I, My wife and I went to uh, South Carolina to see our granddaughter, Lucy. She had a dance recital and a dance contest, and that's a first for me, being around all boys, so... Uh, pretty exciting to see how all that worked out, and um, you know what? She's got she's got a little stage presence about her, and she likes to compete. Very competitive, and uh, we had a great time spending time up there in uh, Myrtle Beach with those guys and enjoying that. Oftentimes, I have asked individuals their first name if they were named after a celebrity, uh, and recently, I in most cases, yes. Um, was Lucy out of Lucille Ball? I love Lucy. She wasn't, but I tell her she was. And that's, I make, you know, we always have a little badger back and forth about that. So, um, I always will tell her I love Lucy and she says, Poppy, that's a show. That's not me. <laughs> that's my wife's favorite show all yeah. time. I love Lucy. She's a cute kid. She's got, uh, she's got some kind of energy. Yeah, usually we're talking about a Jennings family being boys, males, and all that. So you finally have some females in there. Yeah, this, you know, and I, I got to tell you, sitting there, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God, this is going to be horrendous, boring. And it was good to watch the, the dance competition and uh, had a lot of fun seeing her and seeing her on the stage and performing and just uh, admire her energy and her uh, competitiveness. Danny, I think... Uh, Exhibition games, don't they begin either Friday or Saturday? Uh, Sunday for us, yeah. And I think uh, you know it's going to be a it's going to be a little bit different spring training based upon um, based upon early looks at a lot of young kids. You got you got some of your better players who are trying to gear up and amp amp up for the uh, WBC. 
And uh, so that that's going to put a little twist on this spring training. Just hope guys are smart about, you know, where they are conditioning-wise and how, how ready they are to compete. First hour in the books here on this Wednesday, February 22nd, the 43rd anniversary of the Do You Believe in Miracles? 7 o'clock when we come back. Trent Thomas, Cottage Hill basketball coach. Gosh, they had a toughie yesterday. They were eliminated 72 to 71. We'll talk to Trent when we come back. Also, in the uh, 7.30 block, Barrett Trotter, the new coach of Bayside Academy, former backup quarterback to Cam Newton. We may bring something up on that also. So stay tuned. Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim. Of course, uh, Nick behind the glass. Running the show for WNSP and WNSP.com. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Morning, hour number two. Uh, Dan Jennings joining me, Lee Shervanian, uh, sitting in for Mark Heim, who's got basketball today up in Montgomery. Yesterday with the playoffs, Cottage Hill was eliminated, Baker was eliminated, and the team that advanced, St. Luke's. So happy for them, St. Luke's advancing to the uh, Final Four. Congratulations. To that school, we were trying to get Trent Thomas on, the head coach for the uh, Cottage Hill team. They they lost a heartbreaker yesterday, seventy two to uh, seventy one. Uh, Dan Jennings sitting in today, and then uh, we're unfortunately we haven't been able to get Coach Thomas on, but we will talk about some of the main stories. Again, the uh, Brandon Miller story up at Alabama. Now they're going to be at South Carolina this evening. Auburn's also playing tonight against Ole Miss and the Jags. They're on the road against Texas State. But the story that came out yesterday, Dan, and I know we've talked a lot about it in the first hour, but we have a changing audience. At a preliminary hearing yesterday in Tuscaloosa, it was revealed that by one of the detectives that the star freshman, Brandon Miller, delivered the weapon, the, fatal, the gun, the uh, murder suspect gun, to former teammate Darius Miles, and then he in turn handed over, I guess, and I'm, you know, kind of in its simplest terms, Michael Davis, who, according to the detective, Davis was the one who uh, shot and killed the uh, female, 23-year-old Jamia Harris. But uh, the prosecutor, or one of the prosecutors in the case said that no charges would be filed against Brandon Miller. So, obviously, he continues on with the Alabama basketball program. How do you view this whole situation? Um, you know what? I think based on the things I've read and uh, not having all the details, I think it's a case where he, um, the people doing the investigation have said he did nothing other than 
deliver someone's property to them as he was texted and asked to do. Certainly, he didn't know any intent of uh, of what Miles was doing with the gun, and I don't. I'm not sure how it got into his car, um, but it seems like it was left there, and he was asked to deliver. So, I don't. You know what, Lee? It's uh, as we have talked about in the first hour. I hate it. I hate that things occur like this on any college campus. The worst part of this is a young lady's lost her life. And, um, you know, the, the bad part is you, you got uh, some young men who've made life-altering decisions in a bad way, and the results in usually are never good when things like this occur. So, But as far as Brandon Miller, uh, I think he's been proven, uh, you know, or there, he's not under investigation. So, therefore, you know, what, what would he be guilty of? Danny, the end result of the hearing yesterday, the judge refused bail for the two suspects, Darius Miles and uh, Michael Davis, and I believe the case is now going to be remanded over to a grand jury. Uh, so that that was the end result of what happened yesterday. Now, we get into the other part of this, Nate Oates. And Nate Oates made some statements earlier in the day at his press conference and then came back to retract. You and I both have the same philosophy on this. Why did he even say anything? In a case that is still going on involving a former player and a current player, isn't it best just to shy away and say, we'll just, we're, we're gathering information. I don't have anything at this point to add to the investigation. And instead he came out and said stuff like, well, we knew about this. Uh, Brandon was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, and then he, he had some other statements to make about uh, that, that he's been a good kid and has never been in trouble before and so forth, on and on. And then he had to backtrack and said that his comments were in poor taste. Why not? Why just not say anything? Why even go out and, and make statements? And then you, because you know the national media is going to come looking after you. They're going to come after you no matter what, and they're going to pick apart what you're saying. I I definitely concur there. That's uh, you know I mean he certainly had the option to do that. Um, he chose to to go down a different road. And you're right. The the national media, the social media, any and everything is going to pick apart one sentence, one word, um, because. It's just the society we live in, and if you are having success, you're good at what you do, then people want to see the mighty fall, and uh, I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to be the story of the day um, on a lot of these syndicate radio shows, and certainly in the uh, in the uh, media on social media. Okay, during his regularly scheduled news conference, to put it into perspective. I'm quoting Oates now. Can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he the type of trouble in this case. Wrong spot, wrong time. He later apologized for his wording. Came back and said, this entire time, I've tried to be thoughtful in my words relative to this tragic incident, and my statements came across poorly. We were informed by law enforcement of other student-athletes being in the vicinity, and law enforcement 
has repeatedly told us that no other student-athletes were suspects. They were witnesses only. Oates said in a statement, our understanding is that they have all been fully truthful and cooperative, and in no way did I intend to downplay the seriousness of the situation of the tragedy. I just He should have just left it alone and just not, not done anything that would create a firestorm because, like I said, national media is just ripping them. Yeah, that's going to continue. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, you're going to have uh, you're going to have people that are going to, you know, they're they're going to want this kid suspended. They're going to want him kicked off the team. I mean, that's just that's the nature of what comes with any national story uh, on teams that are that are successful. And again, there is an investigation ongoing. And if they have cleared Miller of any wrongdoing, then that is the the law. So why punish a kid who is found innocent of any wrongdoing criminally? Well, here's the deal, too. Guns on campus have become very toxic, as you know. Uh, We talked about yesterday, Michigan State's basketball team returned to the floor at home first time since three students were killed last week. All right. Very emotional time last night. They beat Indiana. Okay. You've got a wide receiver at LSU arrested on Bourbon Street, carrying a weapon. Uh, Brian Kelly would not comment. He just said, we'll we'll check the facts and just leave it at that. So it's become such a prevalent issue now. High schools, colleges, gunplay, that you, you obviously, because of this, and then you get an incident where a 23-year-old female was killed in Tuscaloosa, you can't blame the media for not digging into this and finding fault with some of the things that went on. And and I don't blame them for that. I'm with you. I I've tried to go in my mind, you know, should should these student athletes who were involved as witnesses or so forth, should they be suspended or not? And I I brought up the point, what if this wasn't Brandon Miller, but let's say this was a guy that was just sitting on the bench for most of the game and was not a regular on the team, would they have dismissed him or suspended him? I suspect maybe that could have happened. I mean, that's a fair point. Certainly, it's going to be discussed. That point will come up, you know. And then I, I'll turn it around and say that, you know, what if he was texted and said, "Hey, I left my uh, my cars at your home. Bring me your car, or bring me my car." And he drives it over, and then there's an accident, and this guy kills someone. Is that accessory? So uh, there's so many ways to slice this to try to to validate points i just i find it uh it's it's disappointing that these kids go to college for the college experience to be an athlete to get an education to put themselves in a position where they maximize their value either as a player or to you know get a degree and get a job in society and nowadays it's Truly, nothing is thought of having a gun, whether it's a power play, whether it's a protection play, and you got it in a vehicle uh, on a college campus. I just uh, uh, that's that's hard for me to sink my teeth in and understand it. When you were managing or you were GM of the Marlins, did players carry guns? 
I'm sure that they did. Um, we had a meeting at the beginning of every year about, you know, no uh, firearms inside the clubhouse, things of that nature. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, some of our guys didn't have that, whether it was for protection, whether it was for, you know, a power play or show of muscle. So certainly it's out there. Um, and it just happens way too often, I think, now. And, boy, you – as a young person, you mix alcohol with that, and you're you're looking at a recipe for disaster. When we come back, uh, traffic update, weather, and a scoreboard. And then we'll talk to David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, uh, Barrett Trotter, the new football coach at Bayside Academy, scheduled to join us at 730. Time now for the uh Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm report from our good friend David Green, attorney with uh, Green and Phillips, of course. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Greetings from the beautiful town of Huntsville, Alabama. What you doing up there? Uh, a little business trip and family as well, but uh, it's uh, a little warmer than normal up here. <laughs> well, it's nice down here, too. It's 65 degrees, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, as I was coming to work today, a motorcycle uh, in and out, you know how that goes, uh, dashing around. Is this, uh, this is an issue we want to talk about today, about motorcycle safety. What can you tell us? Well, that's right. Um, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, surprisingly, there are more uh, motorcycle crashes than you would ever imagine. Uh, many times, if, you're, if someone is involved in a crash, it is a really, really bad result. And so we're just encouraging folks to pay attention to motorcyclists. Uh, make sure that you are keeping a lookout. And if you're a motorcyclist, do not whip in and out like you're talking about. Make sure that you have all the proper lights on your motorcycle. Make sure that if you can, uh, wear something that's bright in color, almost like a bicyclist. Same type thing, but you're not actually in the road. But you really want to make sure that you make yourself visible uh, and make sure that you follow the rules of the road so folks will see you because, gosh, if you get tangled up with a car or a truck, it can be a really, really bad result. And we see this all too often throughout the state. Uh, it just happens. It happens everywhere. Are helmets required? Yes, in Alabama they are. So you brought up a point, though, and, and I as a motorist, how can you, t- how can you totally be careful with some, sometimes these motorcyclists take such risks, you know, it says diving in and out of traffic. And I've seen it this week, especially, you know, where they just zoom in front of you and then zoom right out into another uh, flow of traffic. You know, I saw this the other day on Airport Boulevard in Mobile. Uh, saw a, a young man that decided he wanted to ride in between the cars, ride right down the center lane. Uh, can't do anything about it. Uh, just need to encourage everyone on both sides. Uh, to, to just really keep a lookout and not do things like that because 
you know, if I had decided to turn um, in front of him, which would have been perfectly legal because I didn't didn't see him coming, um, he could have really had a bad a bad situation. Um, I'm not a real motorcycle fan, as you can tell, but um, I know folks uh, have them and have a great time on them, and they can have a great time on them if they're being safe. Operate operate by the rules, and just you know, don't do silly things. Uh, just stay in the roadway. Make sure you're properly lit. You know, one of the worst times is at dusk. You know, whether it be uh, you know late late afternoon, early morning, you just can't. You know, or lights on or lights off. Uh, you really got to make sure you keep your lights on. You're supposed to keep your light on on a motorcycle. Um, sometimes they don't work. We've seen cases like that over the years. You really need to make yourself visible. David, how can our uh, listeners, for more information or any cases uh, that they're interested in, get in touch with you or members of your firm? Yeah, it's very simple. Uh, you go to greenphillips.com, uh, or you can come by uh, in Birmingham, uh, and I'll be stopping in the Birmingham office tomorrow. Uh, you come to the Forbes building, uh, 4th Avenue North, and uh, here in, in, in North Alabama, or in Mobile, 51 North Florida Street. You never need an appointment at Green and Phillips. I just encourage you, if you think you have a case, if any questions, feel free to call us. You're not bothering us. That's what we do for a living. Appreciate it. Have a safe trip up in Hudson. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Take care. God bless. Danny, with, uh, we talked about rule changes, college football now looking at trying to shorten the game, and we talked about this briefly. Of all the new rule changes, and it seems like there's quite a few in Major League Baseball, which one do you think will have the biggest impact this year? Um, you know what? For me, I think it's the uh, two-time step-off or pick-off rule. Um, so you can only do that twice uh, per batter. And if you do go over a third time, you either have to pick the runner off or a balk will be called. And I think you're going to see this set up. I, man, if, if, if a guy like Lance Johnson was playing today and you knew this and you're going to see guys start to increase leads and, you know, things that, that we were taught, the gamble still and things of this nature, because they know that the guy can't come over there unless he does pick you. Yeah, I think you're going to see stolen bases certainly go up. And now that they're sliding into the pizza boxes, you got a chance to really have uh, you got a chance to have some stolen bags increase in a big way. So you think this is going to be even more detrimental than the the shift now being outlawed or the pitch clock? Yeah, the pitch clock I'm a fan of, and I'll tell you why I am, is that I sat in the minor leagues and I watched it, and I think truly it it helps the pace of play. You know, it keeps it keeps the action going. Um, I, I've, I've seen guys get called strike three because the hitter wasn't in the box, or I've, I've seen batters, uh, I mean pitchers, get called for ball four because they didn't deliver within the allotted, allotted time. So – this is going to take some time to get adjusted to, especially you know, when you look at the end of the game, man, you got some of these bullpen guys that have a lot of antics because it's it creates their rhythm, their tempo of what they're accustomed to doing, and uh, it's going to create some uh, it's going to create some issues. Be fun to watch how it happens during spring training and how guys get acclimated to it. Danny, when we come back. We're scheduled to be joined by Barrett Trotter. Uh, he's the new uh, football coach at Bayside Academy, former Auburn football coach, and more recently a coach at Briarwood Christian. Stay tuned for that. We're halfway home on the Wednesday opening kickoff, the day after. 
Fat Tuesday. Hope everybody enjoyed their Mardi Gras session. And uh, coming up at 820, it's going to be Dan giving out the Chick-fil-A gift card question. It's a toughie. We'll find out about that later on. It is 7.32, coming on 7.33, WNSP Sports Time. Tonight we've got Alabama basketball at 7 against South Carolina. But right now I want to introduce the new head football coach at Bayside Academy. And I'm sure we'll be doing quite a few interviews with Barrett Trotter, a name very familiar to college football fans in the state, having been a quarterback at Auburn. Barrett, good morning and congratulations. It's great to have you coming to the uh, Mobile Baldwin County area. How you doing? Doing great. Good morning, guys. Thanks so for having me on. You were introduced last week. Tell us how this came about and where what you had been doing coaching wise to get into this position to came to come to Bayside Academy. Absolutely. So um, you know, they contacted me um, a couple weeks ago. Um, kind of went through uh, a pretty pretty in depth process of interviewing multiple people, and from from what I understand. And um, got to come down and see the school in person, meet them all in person, and uh, got presented with the opportunity to be the head coach. And I've been coaching at, at Briarwood up in Birmingham, which is also where I went to high school. And so it was, uh, you know, it was a tough place to, to leave, but the, the opportunity just seemed like the perfect fit. And I'm um, just really excited to be there. Well, of course, uh, now we bought in the Baldwin County area, it's becoming uh, a place for former quarterbacks. Of course, Philip Rivers over there at St. Michael's, and now you coming to Bayside Academy. Maybe one of these days, if you guys play each other, you can have kind of a throwing contest before the game. And, of course, I'm only, I'm only being facetious and everything. But let me ask you this. At what point in your career uh, did you, you know, maybe think about, hey, I'd like to coach rather than, you know, continue playing or just want to coach these kids? You know, when I first when I first left Auburn and was done with the draft and had been to training camp with the Rams and done that whole deal and super thankful for, for how that turned out and all the opportunities I had after leaving Auburn. But it was coaching football really wasn't what I wanted to do at the time. I thought, man, I'm going to do something different, get out of football. And sure enough, I started exploring a bunch of different, you know, job opportunities and avenues. And every time I would talk with somebody about, what they what opportunity they had i just think eh, i think i'd rather coach football than do that and i think i'd rather coach football than do that and sure enough by um you know trial and error of just looking at a bunch of different things i, I realized how much i really loved coaching football and i'd actually come back to briarwood and started coaching there during that time and it was just awesome and um you know coach fred yancey was still here and some other guys were still here that i played for and um just kind of brought my love back for for coaching and and ever since then i mean it's been nonstop from coast to coast coaching football so barrett let me ask you something now when uh, you finally uh, when are you going to be actually on the bayside academy uh, campus ready to go you know 
I know I know at some point I'll be there next week. Um they're they're we're off this week with uh the Mardi Gras break, um, which is which is a unique little deal. We don't have that up here in Birmingham. And um so I'm I'm looking forward to getting down there. When some of these student athletes come out and want to compete at quarterback. What are you going to be looking for? What what do you can uh, look at as the main assets in a quarterback for one of your teams? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to be a, you have to be a guy that the team's going to follow. You have to be a guy that the team's going to believe in. You absolutely have to have you know some arm talent. You have to have the intelligence. But there's a leadership quality that that every good quarterback has that I think is one of the first things that he's the leader on the field. You want to make sure that that guy's somebody that's accountable, somebody that you can trust, um, somebody that's going to do everything you ask him to do. Um, You know, those are just a couple of things. And then, of course, you have to have the athletic ability. You have to have the intelligence um, to be able to make all the calls and do all the things you need to do to get guys in the right place on the field. I got to be, uh, you know, on the lighter side. I've said – you know, we've been over to Bayside on occasion to do shows and everything. I'm like, I can't imagine how, if I was a student there with that water right nearby there, you know, to go down there, Barrett. I mean, it, just to keep my mind on studies when you could just walk a few feet and all of a sudden you're you're down there by the water and everything. What a campus! Yeah, it is a it is a beautiful campus, um, and you know, just getting to walk around it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I mean, just just blown away. By, by all the things uh, that are currently there and then all the things that I know are proposed and that are on the way that's going to make it just an unbelievable facility. All right, we're talking with Barrett Trotter. i got to ask you a question. Every once in a while, this comes up on our show, and you were at Auburn when Cam Newton was there, I believe, during that championship year? That's right. Yeah. we've We've discussed, like, these one-shot deals, like if you could have any college quarterback for one year, not for four years, yeah. but for one year. And I know my co-host Mark Heim has said many times Cam Newton would be his choice for just that one year. Even in contrast to like a Tim Tebow or quarterbacks of yesteryear, if you, Barrett, and all the you know following college football – where who would rank as your number one quarterback if you could pick somebody just to and, and putting your yourself aside, not including yourself, who would you who would you choose yeah. for that one year? Well, you know, I'm obviously biased because we won a national championship with Cam, so that's an easy answer for me because I say Cam. Uh, you know that that's easy. The guy's a, the guy was a total freak. I mean, um, you know, and it was interesting to see his development over that over that single year getting more comfortable with the offense because when he first came out and we were in training camp and spring practice and different things he just had he wasn't as consistent um you know there was some there were some mistakes that seemed easy and he just corrected them and kept getting better and kept getting better and then of course like when the lights came on with cam it was just a whole different animal like i'll never forget the first game i think we were playing arkansas state and it was like a busted play action, and he just took off down the left sideline um, and just house-called like a 60-yard run or something, and it was just like, whoa, that was different. Then he threw another wheel route to Mario Fannin um, down in the side on, on the right end zone, and it was just like, wow, that, that was a different kind of throw. And when the lights came on with that guy, I mean, anything was, was possible. Um, and, I mean, just an unbelievable teammate, an unbelievable guy, unbelievable leader for us. 
you know, during that time and, and ton of fun to be around and, and work with. Did you, I, I don't remember the, t- what year were you, uh, when you backed him up, what year were you in? That was, uh, my, that was 2010. I would have, I would have been a redshirt junior. Did you go into that year thinking you were going to be the starting quarterback? Cause I know Cam was kind of a late addition to the squad. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was going into that season, obviously working and preparing for that position. Um, and, and when they told me, you know, we went through all of spring practice. They didn't name a starter for like another two weeks. And, and Coach Malzahn kind of laughed still. He's like, you know, he's like, I, when I told Barrett that he wasn't going to be the starter, I mean, he was mad. And I, I was mad because at the time, you know, I'm working and, and fighting and clawing and scrapping and, and um, you know, thought, thought I had as good a chance as he did to be the starter for that season. Um, and obviously I can't say they made the wrong decision, but at the same time, it was a, it was a position I was preparing for and working for. Um, and I'm a competitor. So when I didn't get it, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, the good kind of mad, uh, not the, not the split the team kind of mad. Um, but absolutely. I was, I was one to play who doesn't. I like it. That's competitive fire and a good teammate. That's uh, that's tough. Hey, Barrett, Dan Jennings, uh, when, when are you uh, – your spring practice and all, when will you get underway there? And have you uh, – are you a guy that brings in your type of offense or do you kind of mold your offense to your personnel? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we're, we're still working through schedule and all that stuff right now of spring practice and when all that's going to get started, which, uh, which we'll, get, we'll get done um, in, the, in the next coming weeks. And then offensively, you know, I obviously have been um, all over the place in the NFL and in college and, and back in high school. And, you know, I think we've developed a system that incorporates a lot of different aspects from all those places I've been, um, you know, and, and because it's functional, and it's built within itself in that system where it all makes sense. We can adjust to whatever kind of personnel um, that we have, but knowing that we're going to be more of a spread style offense, we're going to throw the ball more than they have there in the past. Um, you know, that's how I envision envision our offense. We're going to be as multiple as we need to be, as multiple as we can be, but also, you know, with a little more um, spread than, than they've been there in, in, in previous years. It should be fun. Looking forward to it. It's great, like Lee alluded to. There's, it's nice to see some of you guys that have had such great careers come back and get into coaching at this level. And, man, the, these kids don't truly realize how lucky they are to have uh, have the coaches and mentors like you guys. Well, to be back in high school football, you know, those were some of the most influential people in my life were, were my high school coaches. And now getting to, to play that role in kids' lives, you know, you almost, it's almost hard to fathom sometimes that, you know, how much influence um, we have as coaches. But when you think back to your high school coaches and you playing football in high school, I know for me, those were the guys who had a huge impact on my life, not just at the time, but the direction, you know, leading, leading me to exactly where I'm at right now. So I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity and to, uh, to be put in that position to lead young men in the right way on and off the field is, is an incredible, incredible place to be. Barrett, before I let you go, where do you have the championship ring? It is, it is in a safe and an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> Might you on your first meeting with the Bayside Academy football team, maybe display it. Uh, 
you know, I think we're going to be focused more on, on the future and the rings that, that hopefully we're going to get rather than the ones I've already won. That's, that's my goal. Good answer. That's a great answer, but you got a long way to go to beat that volleyball team down there. <laughs> it's like... Hey, you aren't kidding. You talk about you talk about a, a place that's um, that is, has excellence in what they're doing. That volleyball team is is unreal. It's off the charts. What have they won? Like twenty straight or something? Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, they I do an incredible job. Can't wait to get down here, Barrett, so we can continue conversations. I really appreciate you taking the time. Congratulate you. And really looking forward to following you and uh, Bayside Academy football. That's right. Thank you guys very much. Have a good one. Barry Trotter, you too, Barrett. former uh, Auburn quarterback, uh, backed up Cam and then started uh, after that. Uh, let's move over to somebody who knows about Auburn football, Roy Hudson, our good friend from Community Bank. Roy, good morning. How are you today? Yeah, good morning. I did not, I was not aware of that. So that I enjoyed that conversation there. So good for him get that opportunity yeah he'll be coaching at a bayside academy while you are of course doing some great things with um uh, community bank more so with the increase in interest rates i like that oh yeah yeah most of our depositors love that aspect because you know there was a long time there when uh when rates were depressed it was great for the the borrowers but the savers were really really getting hammered on that so it's good to see them be able to uh come to a bank, you know, financially sound institutions and put their money in there and uh, earn a, uh, a good return. And like we've said, the big sign says a bank, a tradition like no other when you go to community bank. Why is that? Look, I think I was reading something. Uh, like- Good morning. It is 7.50 WNSP Sports Time. We're going to talk now to Adam Thomas, the basketball coach and athletic director at Cottage Hill. Adam, good morning and and welcome to the show this morning. Good morning, Lee. So tell me, I didn't see a report on the game. All I saw was the final score, 3A region final, uh, Hillcrest 72, Cottage Hill 71. Did this one come down to the final shot or the final seconds? Well, I mean, to, to most people, you'll see the last shot as, you know, your determining factor in what happened. But for us, it was throughout the game. It was, you know, a competitive game from the beginning. Um, we were able to, to get a little bit of a lead, but um, struggled from the foul line from uh, the first quarter through. And, and there at the end, uh, they're able to cut the lead. Um, and we take it to overtime and things of that nature happen. But I, I, I feel like free throws was a, uh, a big key factor there down the stretch for sure. See, I didn't even know it went overtime. Like I said, I just saw a score. There was no report or anything like that. So what happened in overtime? Um, overtime, they scored the first two buckets. Uh, went up four on us. We were able to get to the foul line and come come away with a couple free throws and a couple buckets there um, to, to get it real tight. But um, they were up at the end of um, the second um, overtime period there. Um, we were able to get a um, uh, score at the bucket with a, an and one situation, uh, sent us to the line with, with mere uh, tenths of a second on the clock um, with one free throw to tie it. So that's where well, we fell short at the free throw line there to, to put it into the second overtime. Who played well for you yesterday? Well, we, we have our starting five. Those guys always come in and, and, and do well for us. And, 
this season they've it's been on their backs um we had um you know a couple three guys in double figures in the game um and and they did well but but our starting five when you talk about um tyler and trent thomas did well uh kelvon mcbride did well shadrick toodle uh, had a really good game and uh scenario rouser came uh in there too as well as a starter um so um we got some really good minutes from kate and washington also you know, Adam, we'll be coming out to Cottage Hill in a couple of weeks for our championship drive. I, I know you'll be joining us as athletic director, and it's a it's a question that may come up then, but how's it feel now? I mean, you've been coaching your sons in basketball for a few years now, and this is it, right? That was the last ride yesterday. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bittersweet. Um, you, you talk about the loss, and that's the only thing that's on their mind right now, but um, yeah, it's it's been a, a real real good ride for us as a family, uh, as a dad to see my guys grow up and sport being part of how they become who they are right now. And it's you know this loss in the game does not define them by any stretch. It's just competitive nature in them um, that I've seen develop and, and grow throughout the years of, of competing. But it's definitely going to catapult them into what's what's next in their life. But we're excited about where they're going, but it's it's been a, a real, real enjoyable ride for me and my family. Let me ask you this. If I had asked you last year if your two sons would be moving on to college to play basketball, and now they're both accepting scholarships to play football, what would your answer have been mm-hmm. last year? Yeah, last year it would have been basketball. I'd have said, yeah, they you know, love to entertain some of the basketball interest that was there. But, um, you know, moving into football is something that they've been able to do. They played it from a young age, and most people see them as basketball players, but I just see them as athletes. They they can do either, uh, to be honest with you. But um, moving on into football, if you'd asked me a year ago, what the answer would have been basketball. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how that all switched around. And, I, I, and not being as close to the situation as you are, obviously, uh, where this all kind of turned around. I, I, was this a constant conversation during the, the fall uh, about basketball, football, or were, the, were your two sons really geared to go play football? Um, it was a constant conversation because, you know, they, they love basketball. It's just something that um, their mom and their dad did for a long time. But it, it really comes down, you know, it really comes down to them being where they're most comfortable and what they feel like can help them get to where they want to be in life. And football is one of those things that they felt like with the interest that they were drawing, uh, the conversations they were having um, were really, really strong in, in that. So, yes, we had a lot of football conversations, and we're, we're, we're excited about how that developed for them because they're extremely excited to be going to uh, for Trent. He's going to be joining um, Coach Womack over at uh, South Alabama. And for Tyler, he's going to be going up to uh, UAB to join Coach Dilfer and his staff. So they're excited about where um, they're, they're going to be for the next four years. And another one of your basketball players, he was going to Vanderbilt McBride, right? And now he's going, is it uh, to the ACC? I'm trying to remember now. That's that's correct. You are correct. Um, Kelvon McBride will be um, uh, attending North Carolina State, NC State, um, for his football career. We're excited for and, you know all three of those guys. You know they're they're great young men. They're good athletes, but bigger than that, they're good people, and they're developing into strong uh, young men that's going to be able to contribute to this society. So 
we're excited to see them not only in football, but also in life. Adam, I can't thank you enough. We'll be uh, checking in with you in a couple of weeks, coming out there and hoping you'll be able to join us in Air Sports One for our championship drive. Thanks for taking time to join us. Thank you, Lee. Looking forward to it. You bet. It's been a tough week so far for our local teams. Uh, Monday, we had St. Paul's girls and boys eliminated. We had Viger boys eliminated, Williamson girls eliminated. Yesterday, Baker boys eliminated. And as you just heard, Cottage Hill boys eliminated. The only team that has advanced so far to the Final Four is St. Luke's with the win over Ayrton. Today, uh, McGill, Tulin, girls and boys both competing. McGill girls against Theodore, Mobile, uh, I'm sorry, and McGill against Blunt. We also have Fairhope taking on Central Phoenix City in 7A. 7A girls, Foley and Daphne. And Dan Jennings hoping that we get a few more teams uh, keep going into the final four. Yeah, well, we know at least Foley or Daphne, one of those, you know, will represent us. And the same thing with McGill and Blunt. And actually, McGill and Theodore. So we know. So I take back that statement. We know we're going to have a, a few of those because obviously they're playing local, local. Sitting in a good position there, local, local, right? So that's fun. I'll tell you that uh, I, I just watched my dad over there when they were at UMS with Terry and those kids, man. When you see them have that opportunity to get in the uh, to get in a position to bring back that blue map, it's uh, it's exciting time for those kids and create some great memories. I don't know if I've ever asked you. You know, longtime football coach, your dad. So you wound up going baseball. Was it ever football in the picture? Oh, I love football. The fact that I graduated at 160 pounds was not was not very helpful for me. But, yeah, I loved it. I loved the competitive part of it, certainly the mental toughness that went with it. And uh, really was probably my first love until my uh, in my senior year. Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark. Mark's on the road. Uh, we'll be visiting uh, Garrett Coliseum. See how McGill does today. When we come back, Chris Stewart will join us. Uh, he's going to, obviously, the voice of the Crimson Tide. He'll be on the air tonight. You'll hear him on WNSP with Alabama and South Carolina. And who have you got? You got lined up a guest or two for us today. Yeah, we're working. Uh, we have Jason Stark coming on at uh, 8.30 and uh, working on getting Jack McKeon <laughs> to get the phone right uh, to come on at about 8.20. So we could have a back-to-back Jack McKeon and Jason Stark, be some fun, talk some baseball. It's 8 o'clock, WNSP Sports Time. One more hour to go in the books for the opening kickoff the day after Fat Tuesday. 43 years ago today, the miracle on ice, Al Michaels, legendary call. Do you believe in miracles? Maybe we'll play that one one more time before we leave the air. Stick around for the next hour. We've got uh, Chris Stewart on deck. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. 
the latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Welcome to the opening kickoff this Wednesday. I'm Lee Shervaney and Dan Jennings sitting in with me before he hightails it out to uh, Major League Baseball and the Washington Nationals next week. But I think you got a date up in Tuscaloosa, don't you, this weekend? Absolutely. Headed that way on uh, Saturday to go see uh, the Alabama men's basketball take on the uh, University of Arkansas. So looking forward to it. It's my wife's uh her birthday's this weekend, so we're going to do that. She loves basketball, so we're going to go and have a little fun up there. Wouldn't it be nice if Chris Stewart welcomed you in there as you walked in and just <laughs> shook your hand or something like that? But we can talk to him right now. The voice of the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart. Chris, good morning. How are you today? I'm I'm great and consider it done. Just let me know uh, where you guys are going to be and where I can find you. <laughs> That's mighty nice. Thank you, Chris. No, no, we'll be in we'll be in the lobby early, so come by and see us if you get a chance. We'll do, Chris. Uh, okay. In lieu of what happened yesterday with the testimony and all that went on, I'm just going to ask you an overview. If you have anything you want to offer on that, uh, the Brandon yeah. Miller. Uh, situation, uh, Nate Oates retracting comments, things like that, rather than any specific questions. I know this puts you in kind of a peculiar spot because you are the voice of the Crimson Tide. Uh, anything you wanted to comment on what happened yesterday? Yeah, Lee, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the way you handle that because you've been, as a broadcaster for a school, you you understand the really kind of the position we're in, which a lot of people don't don't believe this. But uh, I think you understand because, again, you've been there. I don't know any more than what I've read like everybody else. Honestly, don't. Yes, I've traveled with the team, but I have not been uh, privy to anything beyond what um, we've been reading, although I will say that um, I do think a lot of the commentary uh, is a little harsh and probably out of line and unfair, uh, but not at all surprising because it, a lot of where it's come from, it's what people do. I get that. Um, beyond what has been said, I really don't have anything to add. I will say exclusively from a basketball standpoint, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how this team takes care of business today. Uh, it's a long day. You've got, uh, you know, we're. I'm sitting with you here now in the uh, Eastern time zone where it's just after 9 o'clock, and it's going to be 12 hours from now before we tip this game off tonight. So that's a long day and a lot of things uh, for those kids to deal with and a lot of that, that's a challenge to stay focused on the task at hand when you've got a, uh, a game advantage, uh, I guess technically a half game advantage at the moment in the SEC standings with Texas A&M's win last night. And again, all of, of what I'm speaking to is from, from a basketball perspective, not a life perspective. Uh, but I am curious as to how they'll manage that, uh, albeit against the South Carolina team that, that's not been great. It's had a couple of good moments. Certainly winning it rough was impressive, but they haven't done a whole lot beyond that. But 
if they can win at Rupp, they're clearly capable of providing Alabama a good contest in their own building. And uh, we'll be curious to see how well Alabama is able to focus on that task at hand and, and try to keep things going in the direction of a, a league championship. Chris Dan here. You know what? That's a great answer. And uh, I, I, too, I respect Lee for, you know, this is a case where it's, it's really best to say nothing, let the process take its course, and the, and the rest will happen. Being a former general manager and then a manager on the field, I've been a part of some things like this, and you're, uh, you're right. The, the key thing here is to keep the players from reading, from looking at this, and just focus on what they can control, and that's their ability to perform in a game. And uh, the law will handle the rest of the things that occur, and hopefully, uh, you know, in due time, all the other things that need to be known will come out. But to read it on yeah. social media, there's no – that's a lose-lose, and you, somebody is always going to have negative things to point out, to say, and to pick apart. No, you're right. And, and Dan, you know this well. I mean, winning is winning is tough enough when everything's going well and when there's, there's nothing to focus on except what you have to do in order to win and when you've got a lot of other distractions there. Uh, it goes up exponentially. So, you know, again, I'm only speaking from a sports standpoint, but uh, they've got a challenge on their hands to, to stay locked in on what they need to do in order to keep this going. You've got this one tonight. You've got games with Arkansas and Auburn uh, coming up that we know will be tough, even though it's, it's good that they're in Tuscaloosa. And then the finale within the league is going to be at uh, the place that right now you have your your closest challenger in Texas A&M, and they're playing really well, and that could be a unbelievable environment in a season where you've played in a bunch of them. So I'm I'm very curious to see how this team's going to respond as we go down this uh, final four game stretch, and would have been regardless of what the circumstances were, uh, just would have been anxious and curious to see how it was going to play out anyway. But I I will say that uh, in terms of focus, the degree of difficulty obviously went up since yesterday. Yep. In my opinion, I may be wrong. They may be they may be just fine. And everything that indication I have so far is that it's the case. But, again, you never know until the, the ball goes up and, and the game gets underway tomorrow. Tonight, excuse me. <laughs> It'll be almost tomorrow by the time we get going. So, focusing on the court a minute, just a question, just as an observer, uh, two two losses that were, you know, they stung a little bit at OU and then Tennessee, and you you look at these two teams and the way they played, such a tough man type defense. Uh, I know that's probably been addressed. It certainly looks. Uh, you know, the games after those two particular games that it was addressed in a, right. in a good way. That has to be, you know, in the back of Nate Oates' mind, that's got to be a good thing as you, you look ahead for the tournament, the fact that you've played some teams, not not necessarily the loss, but you played some teams that really got after you defensively, and that's going to make the focus and, and picking up your, uh, your mental part of the game much better. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I really believe that they have learned uh, 
so many different things with the schedule they've played, Dan. I mean, it's a it's been a, a really tough grind. They've seen so many different looks and styles. I think they're better equipped to handle whatever it is they're going to face down the stretch after um, that Tennessee game, certainly. Uh, they learned in the Gonzaga loss how important it is to defend, and they defended pretty well against Tennessee. They just didn't handle the overall physicality of the game. Oklahoma's one. I'm I'm still not sure what all happened in that one. They just weren't ready to play, and it's the only time this year that I've had that feeling that uh, for whatever reason they just weren't ready to go. But they are um, – I think very well equipped to handle whatever's going to be thrown at them tonight from South Carolina. And, and you, you wonder how, I, you know, I'll be surprised if South Carolina doesn't come out with a lot of energy and intensity and some of the things you've talked about already with them and the focus that they will, uh, or the opportunity that they know they're going to have, given that they are a, uh, you know, a team that this is kind of their, this has got a chance to be one of their shining moments, if you will. Right. Uh, winning at Kentucky and then to be able to, to beat a, a number two ranked team in front of their own fans would be the one thing they could, one of the few things they could hang their hats on this season if they were able to pull it off. So you'll get their best, uh, their best effort in this one tonight. And I think Alabama's got to find a way to come out of the gates quick and, and make sure that, they don't get sandstorm cranked up pretty loud and and uh, often inside that building because that's that's what will happen if you if you let them hang around. Seven o'clock uh, Central Time. Uh, we'll have that broadcast with the pregame. So you mentioned you have about twelve hours to go. So what do you do to spend the to kill the time before the game tonight? There's there's a little work to do from a, a broadcast standpoint. Some other things and. And uh, if I get the late checkout that I have requested, there'll be a good good nap built in as well. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of sitting around waiting and and the typical prep work on a game day, just making sure you're pretty clear on your notes and as familiar as you can be with with what's going to take place tonight. And finally, they'll tip it up. We'll just go on autopilot, Lee, like we always do. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, and Danny uh, reminded me, you know, we talked about the possibility of. Uh, college football instituting new rules to try to shorten the game a little bit. I don't know if you've looked over some of this, but like running clock after incomplete passes and things like that, which they feel will kind of shorten the game. You certainly have called a number of football games. Do you have a problem with any of these or does the game need to, I, I guess my point is, do we need to shorten the game? You know, I am, um, there are some things probably you could do, and, and you're right. I haven't spent much time looking at it. First of all, I'm not going to spend a lot of time wringing my hands over something I'll get no vote or input on anyway. Um, but at the same time, with with everything, you know, trying to figure out and get ready for a, a road trip and all that, I hadn't spent a lot looking at it. I will say that, you know, we you – know, pace of play and all of that is it's somewhat absurd let's stop calling it what it is it, it's because they want to get more games in in a television window so they can make more money bottom line that's all it's about we sit here as fans wanting to be uh waiting for these games to take place you know and there's only 
so many of them. There's only, what, a dozen regular season games that we have now. Uh, you know, you try to get to a postseason and and maybe a league championship game, depending on what conference you're in, and then your bowl or, or a playoff. And, you know, there's only so many of those. So why are we trying to rush through it unless we're just trying to rush through it from a money standpoint? And I think it's I think it's uh, comical to try to call it anything other than that. That's my initial reaction to it. I may feel differently if I had more time, you know, to, to look at all of the details. But when I see that, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, hey, we're trying to work more games into a TV window so we can get more uh, – we can get more money for uh, for everything else. You know, Chris, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but I, I do want to add this on my two cents. You know, I asked you that question to start out with, and you are so right. Just because you're the voice of a program, and I will tell you this, in the many years that I was covering South Alabama basketball, it'd be years afterwards that I'd be told that a certain player did this or that. I had no clue. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't told to me. I had no idea. I once found out that a player that had been on the team for two years was carrying a gun on campus. I had, how would I know? It wasn't like, it wasn't like the guy came and said, Hey, look at my pistol, you know, or something like that. Right. I I, I was, I was clueless as to things that Mm -hmm. I heard. So anyway, I just wanted to amplify things that, you know, just because you travel with a team doesn't mean you have all the insight that, you know, it was going on with the players and everything. Hey, look, always a pleasure. We'll check in with you next Wednesday and have a good broadcast as I know you will tonight. Guys, I appreciate it. Really do. Thank you. All right. When we come back, take care, Chris. Give away time. Danny's got a question. Uh, an eye popper for our Chick-fil-A. We also have uh, traffic and weather. I think we'll skip the scoreboard, so Danny and I will have a few more minutes uh, together. So uh, stay tuned for the Chick-fil-A giveaway in just a few minutes. Hey, this is David Morse of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Very special guest on the line, uh, Jack McKeon, longtime baseball manager, still active with the Washington Nationals. But before uh, I turn this over to Danny and and Jack, first of all, good morning, Jack. How are you? I'm Lee Shervanian. How are you? I'm doing good, Lee. I don't know if you remember me, but it's okay if you don't, because I. It was so long ago. But when I was working in New Jersey, I actually used to do interviews with you when you were managing the Kansas City Royals. That goes back into the '70s, and then, of course, with Danny has upgraded me on this. So, Danny, I'm going to turn it over to you. One of the real great characters in baseball, Jack McKeon. Good morning, Trader. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's great to hear from you. Just wanted to do uh, give our listeners a little opportunity to get to know you, hear you talk a little bit about spring training, some of the new rules. Uh, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of our uh, World Series championship together in Miami, and um, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, DJ. I just got out of church, so I feel really good. Outstanding. What spring training is this going to be for you, Jack? How many? Oh, God, I can't even remember a day. I, I got to say it's in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. <laughs> Seven decades, at least, of baseball. And you, you have any favorite spring training memories that uh, over your time as a player, manager, front office? Well, I, I guess I probably would say the first one, that my first job at the big leagues in 1973. Uh, you know, I think that was probably the most exciting one. You know, I had to prepare. I uh, never had anything to do, but I had to prepare for that. It was it a was, uh, you know, special year. How about your uh, the baseball now, Jack? Some of these new rules. What is your thoughts about a, a, you know the way the game's going? You got now a pitch clock coming into play. You have bigger bases coming into play. You got the the shift now where you had to have two infielders on both sides. I mean, what what is going on with our great game? I I don't know, Dave. I'm an old schooler. I I go back. Let's let the game. It was great as it was, and we keep messing with it. And you know you you can't slide into the second baseman anymore. You can't break up the double play. You can't go in the home plate hard. You know you have one or two incidents where someone gets hurt, and then they want to change the rules. And I'm for favored going back to the way we had it. Was nothing wrong with the game, and now it's getting so confusing, and it's taken away. You don't you know with the shift like it was. Uh, and the launch angles and the, the exit velocity. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to watch a ball game. You don't care whether hey, if, it's, if it's the exit velocity or the distance is 310 and it's a home run or you hit it 410, it's a home run. But, uh, you know, and making the bases a little bit longer. Well, I just think that was maybe be the only thing that I could agree with maybe uh, would be first base. <laughs> make it a little bit wider so that the, they wouldn't have any injuries in that area. But outside of that, I, I, I leave the game alone. And pitch clock, you're making guys pitch. You know, the funny thing, all the years of it in baseball, I never heard any of the baseball people complaining about the time of the game mm-hmm. or the fans complaining. The only guys that complain is the broadcasters. <laughs> yeah, they, they got to they fill that empty space, right? Yeah, well, yeah, they don't get time to go to the bars after the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jack, this is a 20-year anniversary of uh, you taking over a club that was in last place and truly performing something that uh, I just thank God that I was able to be a part of it and watch it, watch how you brought that team around to where they believed in themselves and – defied the odds and won the world series in um in 2003 and i know that's a, a was very special for you and and uh, to you uh, what are your thoughts about the anniversary and and some of the things over time that you uh have remembered uh, you, so well danny if you don't mind we're actually coming up against a break jack can you stay with us through our our break and then we yeah. can uh, get your sure. response sure. to that yeah. Yes, sir. All right, great. Uh, yeah, I don't want to have to interrupt you with a commercial break, but it's really a pleasure to hear your voice again. Like I say, I, I go back to the 70s when you took over the Royals, 
and I, I maybe some of the listeners here, you know, were based in Mobile. You had a center fielder from this area that I think was a pretty good performer named Amos Otis. So maybe you could maybe comment on that when we come back. But uh, Jack McCune will stay with us through the break. And then uh, Danny's got another baseball uh, remembrance coming on. Somebody who's really involved in the game. But I was so glad to hear your comments about these rule changes because I'm with you. I'm old school. All right, stick around for that. Jack McKeem uh, on the 20th anniversary of the, the Marlins Championship. Jason Stark also scheduled to join us and a Chick-fil-A giveaway. All that coming up in the next break. children play oh i'm in love with chick-fil-a you go danny your theme song what's the question okay so here's your trivia question for the day four in the history of major league baseball there's four players who have hit 400 or more home runs and who have won 10 or more gold gloves three of them are hall of famers by the name of willie mays Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Smith. The last one is not a Hall of Famer. For your Chick-fil-A trivia question, who is that fourth guy? All right, if you know the answer, call Nick, 694-1055. Let's continue our conversation with one of the, the great baseball characters of all time, Jack McKeon, longtime manager Took the Marlins to a world championship, and I think, Jack, Danny was asking about your thoughts on the 20th anniversary of that world championship. Well, I'll tell you, it was very exciting, and, you know, I got to give the <clears throat> tribute to the front office and Dan and all the other guys, the scouts that put that team together. I just, uh, you know, found out how to get the glue and glue it all together and try to convince them and and how to, uh, how to win. And basically, um, they all fell in line and had a great bunch of guys there. I'll tell you, that club of that managed 17 years in the big leagues. And that club there was the most dedicated, unselfish team I ever had. It was a real pleasure to manage those guys. It just really managing them all. I just make the lineup out and go, go hide in the dugout, let them go. Jack, I, I've heard you use that term unselfish many times to describe that 03 team. And our listeners, two two players on that team played here local at the University of South Alabama in uh, Juan Pierre and Mike Mordecai. And I know that those two guys were very impactful to that team and, and what they meant to you. Well, there's no question. You know, as I say all along, the most – the most dedicated players that I ever managed was Tony Gwynn and, and Juan Pierre as far as going out there and really polishing up the, their tools and great dedication to the game. And Mike Mordecai, I can't say enough about Mike. He did a great job on the bench. He never played that much. And I remember one time I had a team meeting and apologized to the players that were on the bench. that I didn't get enough playing time for them. 
And I remember Mike coming up there along with a couple other guys saying, hey, Skip, don't worry about us. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's beautiful. And, you know, guys like that, uh, you know, you're gonna, you know you're going to win with them. Hey, Jack, do you remember when you were inducted into the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame with uh, Bill Murray? I sure do. How was that? Did you have much of a conversation with him? Because he's a big baseball fan, too. No, I never, I never really did. He, he was one of those hit and runners, you know. And I didn't get chance <laughs> too much with him. <laughs> but Jack, I wish you the best. I wish you, you the get be- your trophy and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best. Hopefully, you can impart some knowledge to help the Washington Nationals this year in your role as a consultant. It's great to catch up with you, and uh, uh, congratulations on a wonderful career. Well, thank you so much, and it's always great to talk to DJ. I know he's. This looks like he's found a new a new job here. <laughs> <laughs> Occupying time before I go get my ashes. I know you have. Well, I got my ashes already. When are you going to get back down to Florida? I'm uh, coming down uh, on the first, so I'm looking forward to seeing you as always. Well, I'm not catching coming. In, I'm not coming in until about the ninth. I'm, I'm tired of looking at PFT and stuff like that. <laughs> I want to see the games. You've seen enough. <laughs> yeah. Find out a good church for us while we're out. <laughs> you got it. Take care, Trader. Good to talk to you. Okay, guys. Best to you. Bye-bye. All right. Let's try to catch up. Uh, first of all, Nick, did we get a winner on the Chick-fil-A? No. Okay. And how are we doing on Jason Stark? We're trying to get him. Okay. Jason Stark, national baseball writer. For who is he with now? He's he's with the Athletic. He writes for the Athletic. Longtime beat writer for the Phillies, and uh, he's a Hall of Famer and a wonderful human being. So. All right, I think he's on. You want to? Perfect. Start? Yeah. How about a good lead in? Jason, how you doing? DJ here. DJ. DJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Happy New Year and happy spring training. Yeah, I just pulled into Florida, so. My blood is flowing, man. That's beautiful. Probably a little different weather than what you left in Philly, huh? <laughs> you know, the sky's a little different color. It's got like a blueness to it. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward with that. to it. Looking forward. I get there in about uh, four or five days. So so tell me, how is it uh, 2023? We got new rule changes. We got new faces and new places. What, uh, what are you excited about, and what's your take on some of the new things as we get ready to uh, embark on a, a new season? Well, this spring training is going to be wild. It is with these new rules because, uh, it, you know, if you've read any of the stuff that I've written about this, uh, especially in the last week or so, you know that umpires have been told, call everything starting from day one. Wow. Uh, like anybody who – who violates the shot clock? <laughs> you know, if if uh, it do, it doesn't matter if Mike Trout hitting with the bases loaded, if he doesn't get in the box and lock in on that pitcher with eight seconds to go on the clock, he's going to get called for one of these violations. And if there's two strikes, he's out, inning over, and they don't care. And then if he had, if he argues, it's an automatic ejection. Oh. So I keep thinking about. What happens the first time we have one of those moments? We're going to see stuff, DJ, this spring that we've literally never seen in a major league game in our lives. Wow. 
Hey, you know, the, the good of that is is some of the marquee players will be in the WBC, and so that may uh, that may enable them to ease into the transition once they return. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because they're not going to use those rules in the WBC. Nice. And, you know, part of the thinking here is, look, this is going to be crazy for a few weeks while people try to adjust to, to life with the clock especially. And the reason they're starting day one of spring training instead of some kind of phase in is they want to get the mess out of the way as mm-hmm. soon as possible and to have some of the best players in the sport go off playing the WBC and not have to deal with those rules for two weeks, more, even more if you're going to go to the final. Um, I, I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because that scene I just described to you, if Mike Trout gets called out with the bases loaded for a pitch clock violation and it's April and not March, I want you to imagine the hell that's going to break loose. Yeah, that's. Um, I would imagine Nevin will be in the shower early and perhaps Trout as well. So <laughs> that has a chance to get bad in a hurry. But um, how about some of the players, Jason, new guys, uh, going to new teams and how do you how do you view this who who really helped themselves and uh, going to have the biggest impact you believe well I just did a big uh, survey in the athletic of people all over baseball one of the questions we asked was what was the best free agent signing of the winner and Trey Turner got the most votes in Philadelphia uh, DJ he's a guy you know well he, he is just ultra-talented. I think the new rules actually make him more valuable than he was before. He can run more. His athleticism on the, um, on the left side of the infield really plays with the, the, the fact that you're not going to be able to shift. Um, he, he's big impact for a team that's going to play probably half the season without Bryce Harper. One of the big surprises to me was Carlos Correa come, coming in second in that and being described as a bargain. Is that the first $200 million quote-unquote bargain <laughs> in baseball history? What do you think? I, I hope my wife doesn't hear this. She thinks everything's <laughs> a bargain. <laughs> Uh, my, you know what was brought to my attention was he truly, in a matter of less than 30 days, lost $150 million. He did. Uh, I mean, he, he, he was going to go to the Giants for, was it 350 $350, yes. Yeah, and then he was going to go to the Mets for about 330 and he wound up uh, only getting getting $200 million guaranteed with some, some option years on the back end, which is a commentary on, obviously, the health concerns that those, those teams had. But at $200 million, that's going to be a fascinating deal. That could be, uh, that could be a spectacular deal or all those concerns about his health issues, uh, stuff in his legs that hasn't really shown up on the field in years um, could really make us view that deal differently. Here's what was really interesting to me about him. Um, In this poll, we did best free agent signing, worst free agent signing. This guy failed two physicals. He didn't get a single vote for worst signing. How about that? Wow. That's a a head-scratcher. Who got the worst signing, Jason? Okay, well, uh, you know, it was pick on the Red Sox week. <laughs> so, you know, the guy they, they signed from Japan, the outfielder Yoshida, he got the most votes. Um, and that's a reflection of 
the fact that on the one hand, they're letting Xander Bogarts walk. And on the other hand, they're investing in a guy where there's a lot of uncertainty. And with the posting fee, it's $100 million. It just was hard to make that compute. The thing that was really interesting, Lee, is it, second was Jacob deGrom. And that's obviously not a commentary mm-hmm. on Jacob deGrom's talent. It's a commentary on how many starts are the Rangers going to get out of him over the next five years? Well, I don't know what your over-under is. It might be 50 for me. Is that low? Uh, for that dollar amount, I'd say that's that's low. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> low. Yeah, if the Rangers only get 50 starts out of him, that means they're paying him almost $4 million of starts. That wouldn't be a good idea. It goes back to the best ability is availability, right? Uh, it's the story of Jacob DeGrom's last few years, right? That's it. Uh, Jay, what about, uh, you know what, this one of the stories for me that I'm really looking forward to, and I, I can't think of when this has ever happened in our sport, certainly in the last few years, but you're going to have a redo in New York with Scherzer and Verlander. And, man, you, two definite Hall of Famers, tremendous, tremendous cr- careers. They were together at one time, and now you get a, you get a remake. It's almost like the, uh, the bands of the 70s and 80s when they come back together and take <laughs> stage. And uh, I, I, I hate that we're, we're facing them, but I'm looking forward to seeing how this unfolds. Yeah, there's no injured list in, the, in, in classic rock, though, right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> well, um, they're, they're two of the biggest X factors in the whole sport. Um, I, I know how old they are. I'm aware of that. But, uh, you know, you, you know them a little bit. I, I spent a lot of time talking to both of them. And they are driven in a way that normal humans are not driven. Um, I've always thought you can't be great at anything unless you're motivated to be great, unless you set the bar at a level that other people don't set it. And that's both of them. Um, Justin Verlander really thinks he's going to be Tom Brady. He he really does. He thinks he's going to pitch to his mid-40s, late-40s. He doesn't see any reason that he can't. He talks about winning 300. Nobody, we thought nobody would ever do that again. And Max is the same way. Um, You know, they were just talking... I'm a big Eagles fan and everything, Nick, and I appreciate that. But you want to give us the Al Michaels? Can you do that one more time? The, the 50th anniversary uh, today. I oh, know, 40, 43rd anniversary. I'm sorry. 43rd. I'm getting my anniversaries all confused. This day, 43 years ago. If you Are you ready? Go for it, my friend. on that one there, buddy? I do remember. Maybe we should have had that as the trivia question. Someone probably would have gotten that. We didn't get an answer, did we, on the trivia question? Oh, we did. did. Who who got it? Spalding is our winner. The answer? The answer is Andrew Jones. You think he'll ever make it? He should. I mean, there's a slam dunk right there. 
400 plus home runs, 10 or more gold gloves, only one of the four that's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we should have we could have spent more time on voters on the Hall of Fame and I know we've had you on talking about this that Maybe there needs to be a change, but there won't. But why not? Rod Manfred's changing everything else around baseball. <laughs> what, what's next? What's he going to do next? Hey, I, you know, it's going to be like Jason alluded to. This is going to be interesting to see the uh, the shot clock, especially if the umpires have been urged to to be diligent, call everything immediately. You're going to have some. Uh, you're going to have some guys flare up in a hurry and. Uh, certainly when you have the situation as he described, bases loaded, two strikes, and you get your middle-of-the-order bat not in the box in time and they ring him up on strike three, imaginary call, then it's going to get ugly. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. You know, all this talk about shortening games and everything, you can say whatever you want. You can You can go ahead and blast this or blast that. But really, if you really look at it, in college football, uh, where they're now trying to maybe come in with some clock management, baseball, aren't these games longer because of commercial breaks? Come on, let's be honest about it. They they've expand they've extended the commercial breaks, which is fine because you know you get advertisers, you know they want money being brought in, but that's really why the games are longer. Well, I I agree. I mean, I, it's kind of a necessary evil. You you need the advertisement. You you generate the revenue. And, uh, I mean, you go to football games, you see them stand on the field with one of those digital clocks counting down the time until commercials are over. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a necessary evil that has to take place. And I think that, you know, somewhere in there, there has to be a happy medium. Maybe it's the, uh, the as, as Jason alluded to, the shot clock. Maybe that's it. And the just the tempo of the game, that's all. Uh, and and hopefully that helps. We'll see. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. I really don't. And like I said, two things that have produced longer games, and I don't know who's complaining about it. I, I don't know where the complaints are coming from. One is, uh, like, commercial breaks are long, and the number two are replays. I thought it was interesting. Jack McKeon's been in the game seven-plus decades, and one of the first things he said in all his time, he's never heard the players or the fans complain about the length of game. No, especially if the game is a good one. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I do think one thing that will be a positive, you're going to have a lot of the new players that are coming into the major leagues who have been under these rules for a while. And so they understand to, you know, keep one foot in the batter's box and things that way that are going to help speed up the uh, pace of play. How much longer does he, the commissioner, have on his contract? I don't know the answer to that. It's above my pay grade. I just hope they don't. I just hope there's no robo-umps in Major League Baseball. I just hope I just hope they don't go that route. It's bad enough that this runner, extra inning runner. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're they're still keeping that in. Come Sorry, on. you know when we used to play ball out in the backyard, you had the ghost you're runner. Right. On first I, you're right, you're right. We did. Yeah, one on one. Yeah, we had to have the runner because you couldn't bat. <laughs> That's right. The yeah, so you had the ghost runner, and that created the fun. So glad to have you in, Danny. I, I wish you the best. The Nationals the best. I, I don't, Jason didn't mention the Nationals as a possibility for the World <laughs> Series out of the East, but you never know in baseball. That you you ne never know. The beautiful part is you never know. And you'll be up at Alabama's basketball game on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's the final next to the last day here. So I'm looking forward to that. It's been an exciting team to watch, the way Nate Oates has these guys playing and 
uh, I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to feeling the energy inside the Coliseum. Nick, the uh, emergence of a new coach with the Washington Atlanta Hawks does that uh, make an improvement this year with only 23 games to go? It worked uh, last time they fired the coach in the middle of the season. We went to the conference finals. So maybe we'll just keep firing our coaches in the middle of the year. And maybe that's just uh, our good luck charm. I don't know. Does that work, Danny? Being, being fired? I don't know. That's uh, it, it worked for Jack McKeon. So we had him on. He come in and bam, he, he led us to the promised land. Yeah, because he had a catcher named Pudge Rodriguez, right? Wasn't too bad. So then you let him go the next year. Yeah, don't bring up horror thoughts been great having you on i really appreciate it all right mark will be back tomorrow hopefully mcgill tulin will have a win or two you got the girls and the boys playing today uh let's see we've got foley daphne uh girls game going on and then uh fairhope against central of phoenix city hasn't been a good run so far for our teams hopefully we can get a few more teams into the final four i know we will today anyway because three of those games involve local teams so we got to get three of those teams at least going to go along with st luke's nick thanks so much appreciate it dan patrick next with the dan yetz let's see it's uh, wednesday of course we got uh, Corey labatty's back here later on today from three to six so stay tuned for that tomorrow paul feinbaum among our guests along with mike rodak so be listening from six to nine